1: Browns analyst Nathan Zagura on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline.
3: Welcome to the show, bud. Thanks, guys. I'm still in a, a christmas mood as well. I feel like this December just went by way too fast. I'm, I'm still, like, listening to the holiday tunes. I'm rocking Same. it all
2: the way until New Year's. Same. I'm yeah. in.
1: Yeah, and I don't like how people, uh, like, like the a couple days after are like like, uh, take, take down your lights, stop listening to music, no, get over it. It's My
2: up. lights don't go down until the end of January. Like, guys, Same. the
1: world's tough. Let's let's just enjoy what we cheer. can while we yes. have it,
3: right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. So,
1: with so where, that in where mind, do we
3: start here, Nate? <laughs> on that note, let's get to some real cheer. Um, let's let's let's, 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 start, let's start with Jake Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. You
2: can't comment on that no. one. No. <laughs> uh,
3: so oh, okay, here we go. All right, we'll see you guys next
1: week. <laughs>
3: uh, <laughs>
1: uh, Nathan. Uh, why didn't it come together for this Browns team this year?
3: Ooh, that's deep. I like that. Let's get philosophical. Start it right I don't there. know, and I felt like in some ways this game on Saturday was a microcosm, right? You, you have opportunities. You don't capitalize on them. You know, 10 nothing in an environment like that felt like that should have been you know, good enough as a start, certainly maybe not insurmountable, but put yourself in very much the driver's seat and then you give up the back-to-back scores going into and out of the half as we've seen happen far too often this team this year and 10-10 and you lose 17-10. It just... It hasn't all come together at any point. You know, I think early in the year the defense was not great when the offense was good, and and they things still got away. Special teams has been kind of uneven all year, even though there have been some very good things there. Cord Horcas I think has been a definite bright spot. You found a good returner in Jerome Ford. DPJ has been a good returner for the most part. The coverage teams have been good, but it just feels like the whole has never been equal to or greater than the sum of the parts. And you've never been able to kind of put it together. You know, the best game of the year was Halloween against the Bengals by far. And and that really was it. And I think, you know, Deshaun coming in after the layoff, it was tough in Houston, um, but you got to win there. Cincinnati you saw improvement but they're an excellent football team and beating just about everybody uh, and then the Ravens game you know good enough to win and the weather's been tough I think the hard part is you'd love to see the weather be a little bit better right now so that you could really see this team run its offense but back to your original questions why I, I it's a million dollar question. It's a billion dollar question actually this team has not been better or as I said, equal to or greater than some of its parts, and that's a problem, and, and I don't know where that problem lies. Um, I, I think they've been very well prepared. It just the execution at times has not been up the, to the level that it needs to be to win consistently in the NFL, and that's why this team is where it is.
2: How did you think Deshaun played in this game? I mean, obviously through four games, it's frustrating, and the weather was a part of this game, of course, no doubt about yeah. that, but just, just to have three offensive touchdowns through four games is, is a bit frustrating.
3: It is frustrating. And and we were doing, you know, we were averaging about 26 points a game prior to to Deshaun coming in. And I don't think it's fair to put it all on Deshaun. You know, there have been certainly some uncharacteristic drops that we've had at times in these games. I think the weather has been a factor. It's not like it was, relatively speaking, compared to last Saturday, the, the Baltimore game was great weather, right? But. In reality it was not necessarily great weather or conducive to, you know, a high, high high flying throwing offense. And I think it's unfortunate we just haven't gotten to see that. I think if, you know, you had to put a dome game here in these final two, you'd really get an opportunity and good environment to see where Deshaun's at. I think he's made a lot of progress. He's made some of the best throws you'll see. You got a chance to see a little bit of his legs against the Saints. I would like to see more of it, honestly, in that game. Um but he he hasn't been the guy that he was. I mean, he's gone four straight games without multiple passing scores, which I don't think had ever happened before. The last time he had had three in a row without multiple passing scores was the beginning of the 2018 season. So obviously uncharacteristic. It's been a lot of time. It's a late in the season. It's not a good weather time. Um, but I've seen at least the glimpses in terms of going through his progressions, throwing the ball in structure, making plays out of structure where you can see that the special talent is there. It's just about it being more consistent. And then our team's inability right now, and this is really kind of the crux of it offensively, is to finish drives. I mean, we can move the ball, but we don't finish drives well enough, whether that's turning it over on fourth down, whether that's settling for field goals that sometimes don't go in. This team has not finished drives at the level that it needs to. And the running game, it's been hard to run uh, lately and you know getting Ethan Posick back hopefully will help, but it's it's been tough. But I think ultimately offensively, going back to the original point, which is scoring points, is whether it's the decisions to go forward on fourth down, the play calls on those that haven't worked out or, you know, settling for field goals. The fact of the matter is the Browns have not scored enough touchdowns offensively and, and that is a problem and that's something that absolutely needs to be fixed and something that needs to change going forward.
1: Nathan, was Saturday's weather enough to sell you on a uh, retractable roof stadium in Cleveland long-term?
3: I've been sold on it forever. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I think if you put together a good team, you want to eliminate as many variables as possible, right? And I think the Browns feel like they have an opportunity, certainly now with a franchise quarterback in Deshaun Watson, who... I don't know, made NFL history playing in a dome stadium that, yeah, you would love to see that. I don't think that that is in the cards uh, for Cleveland. It just says, I don't know if it, it fits us, but I'll tell you, ever since I went to the stadium in Minnesota, I, I thought that was just, I thought that play I think that place is perfect. I, I love that place. And I would love to have something similar like that for the Browns where, you know, Justin Jefferson, does it does it look the same for him? Is he breaking all of these records? You know, this year over sixteen hundred yards already. If they're playing, you know, in freezing temperatures in in Minneapolis, I don't know. I think you got to look at the the talent you got, and if there's an opportunity to do that, do it. I think that these cold weather games are fun in theory, and there is certain a nostalgia to them, and there's something about it. But I don't know about you guys watching people move around in slow motion, which is exactly what was happening in this game against Saints. Nobody could really move. It was. Strange, the wind is blowing a football. Andy Dolan threw a good ball down the seam that the wind blew back and it ended up hitting the guy in the back of his head, which was hysterical. Um, but yeah, I would love to see I, mean, I am sold, been sold, am sold, remain sold.
2: Um, so the Miles Garrett thing's weird, Nathan. I mean I'm, I'm sure you may know more than, than the average Joe, but it's let's just start with how can your captain get benched for the first series of a game when, it, when it's a, you know the playoffs are still kind of in play? It's just it's it's just
3: a tough pill to swallow. It is, and I do not know anymore. I, I can tell you, I know what Kevin Stefanski said mm-hmm. about it, okay. and that's that's where it stops, at least as far as I know. Um, it is tough. You gotta If you're smart, tough, and accountable, I think everybody needs to be accountable. Um, but obviously, it's a it's a difficult situation, and it obviously didn't affect the game. The first three plays were were certainly, you know, they didn't end up scoring on their opening drives. The Browns were up to a 10 nothing lead before they finally scored the last drive of the first half. Uh, did it affect Miles? I don't know. It was the first game in, in, in the last five at First Energy Stadium that he didn't have at least one and a half sacks. They also didn't throw the ball. I mean, they threw it 15 times in the game and ran it the majority of the game. So I, I, I don't know. It, it's one of those things. Things where you got to have everybody rowing in the same direction. And and whatever that means and whatever it takes to get there, that's what this team needs to do because I think that's part of the problem is is that it hasn't, you know. And and I think you can see that from whatever the breakdowns are, right? Accountability can be about so many different things. But, you know, I've blown assignments that have plagued this team at at various points throughout the season. You know, not making the plays in the right moments uh, that are needed has plagued this team throughout the season. So I don't know. Yeah, it's another one of those Interesting. I don't know. The, the public certainly will never get the full story on it, and so it, it, it is what it is, and, and they got to be able to move forward and, and overcome it.
1: Nathan, great stuff, buddy. We appreciate you. Happy holidays. <laughs> happy New Year. And uh, maybe next week we'll get into the Jake Paul thing.
3: <laughs> Still no, and thank you very much, guys. Always yeah. a pleasure.
1: One of the best to do it. Of the Athletic on the North Homestead, Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline now on Afternoon Drive with Nick and Dustin. Zach. Jackson, what's up buddy?
4: Hi guys, how we doing?
1: Uh, I mean, we're frothing a bit here. There there's definitely a uh, end of the season or end of the playoff uh froth going on. How about yourself?
4: Yeah, we're all limping to the finish. I mean, right? It, it, since March 18th it's been a ride. Um I think some of that shows with the team, right? I think they'll automatically be better for having a normal training camp next year. <laughs> for knowing things. Um, but, yeah, look, <clears throat> they were always willing to punt on certain parts of this year, and, and this was always about <clears throat> the future and, and having someone that they've never had. But they also have a lot of the same problems that they've had. So, you know, I, I have concerns, and I think if you don't have concerns, I think if you think there's some magic switch that the quarterback's going to flip and they're going to start winning games by 21 points, that you're dreaming. So um, we'll see we'll see how this all goes. Zach,
2: is this going to be another December in Berea?
4: Well, it is, in a way, Dustin. Um, You know, I I think that's such a multi-layered thing on where the Browns are. I mean, they've come light years, right? But it's also four straight years in third place, and then it's either going to be five or it's going to be last place. It's finally breaking down that playoff barrier and looking like you, you have the kind of smart and talented team that you want and then taking the steps back. You know, it's taking on the frustration and uncertainty of this year and, and not really um, delivering in any way with this kind of unprecedented and hard-to-evaluate thing hanging with it, right? Like the Sean Watson we saw on the final drive the other day is why you go get him. It's why you think you can get all this fixed, right? Mm-hmm. But also it wasn't the day for him to throw it 32 times, <laughs> Um you know, and for the second straight December, there's questions about what's really going on behind closed doors, and we we have guesses, we have opinions on those, but we don't know, Dustin, and we just know that the season ends in two weeks. And last year, I mean, I guess it ended on a little bit of an up note because they beat the crap out of the Bengals JV team, and everybody got away mostly healthy. But how's it going to end this year? Um, there is some drama and some intrigue attached to that for sure.
1: Zach. Uh... <sighs> This this Miles uh, benching for a, a series, it, it sure feels bigger than just uh, uh, failure to report illness or something like that. And it, it, it's been just such a weird season. Do you think this season has challenged the Browns' faith in Miles Garrett at all?
4: I think it would have to, Nick, and I think it would, I would have to go back to the incident in September, not just this one, right? Um, no doubt. Now, as I wrote today, like, of course you want Miles in the plans. Like, Miles is how you recruit an a list defensive coordinator. Miles is how you get to the quarterback. You know, Miles represents what you want to be and can do so many things to change games. And really, of all the things missing this year, creating turnovers and huge defensive plays is at the top of the list. Let's let's just be honest. So, yeah, there is that, that element. <clears throat> and I don't want to speak too much on this, Um Without knowing 100%, you know, I would assume by the end of the week, Miles will speak for himself. But Nick, I, w- I would be fully with you in saying that from the outside looking in, this appears to be um, something, some way of reacting to a bigger situation than a minor penalty for, you know, and, fr- and maybe it is, and maybe it is showing leadership by on the coach by enforcing a rule, but it just doesn't feel that way. I, and I think, I think we can, from what we know and until we're told differently, I think it's fair to say that.
2: Zach, what do you think about um, the way Kevin Stefanski does these punishments with the Delpit thing for the one snap? Now with this being a series and then we all know something happened yet, then it's, we're going to keep it in house, but yeah, you just kind of let the cat out of the bag that something did happen. You you didn't keep it in house. It's kind of odd.
4: Yeah. um, You know, the Delpit thing was laughable, Dustin. And, that was especially bad because that was during the stretch when both Delpit and Johnson were playing terribly and they never were taken out. There was never account- any accountability, and all of a sudden there was a one-play penalty, right? Mm-hmm. So I think when you take a step back, you're always judging these things individually. And you were in locker rooms, yep. right? Mm-hmm. And your your backup was never judged the same as Chris Gamble. Let's just be honest. <laughs> like, that's right. not how it works. So – um you know, I, I think based on – we can only go by what we hear from the locker room every week, what we see every Saturday or Sunday, right? Based on that, I think there are valid questions about do the Browns have maturity issues, do the Browns have leadership issues, what's really going on. Um, it's on them to answer them, and we know the coach doesn't answer anything publicly for one, and for two, like, you know, without a straight answer, it's hard to, to get in there and speak for people. So – um that to me, when it, when it first happened, I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Now, twenty-four ish hours later, I'm like, "Let's just kind of let this play out, and maybe there's a chance this isn't a symptom that, that the walls are really caving in." But um, isn't is Nick kind of put it better than I have in this ramble? You know, I think I think there's a chance that it is.
1: Zach Jackson of the Athletic on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. We had a we had a caller suppose this and. The more I thought about it, the more I agree with it. It was actually Isaac who was trying to tell us about Mitch Spano and what a good kid he is. Um, <laughs> the idea that uh, Miles Garrett, this could be his way of, of trying to force his way out of Cleveland. Do you think there's any validity to that
4: thought? Um, I wouldn't, and I'm not going to claim to know Miles well. I have covered the team his entire time that he's been here. If Miles wants it, I think Miles will say it himself. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Right? Um. Miles has never had any problem talking about Miles, right? It, it, <laughs> That's accurate. That rubs people the wrong way. <laughs> so, um, again, there's a lot we don't know here and, and a lot that we just—I just I just wouldn't get into because it, it is speculation and it's unfair speculation right now to both Stefanski and Garrett and, and for anyone else. But, you know, I, I think the last thing anybody would want to do is move on from Miles Garrett. And, like, look, the Browns, when they did this trade, they said we're almost here. They didn't say we need to recoup first-round picks. They said we're, we're going to go with what we got, right? So I, I just don't know that there's any smarter path or better path than repairing what it is or moving on quickly from what it is if it was something minor and saying we need Miles Garrett on board and we need him to, to dominate, get this defense fixed, because, man, this defense needs fixed. And if Miles looks around and says there's not enough good players around me um, and I'm tired of losing, then people would understand that too. I mean, I've said all along, guys, like, Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward are not the problems. The fact that they haven't drafted a Pro Bowler since Nick Chubb is a problem. The fact that they constructed this defense the way it did and you watch other teams and the linebackers are flying around making plays all over the field and you see who this team has a linebacker and defensive tackle,
2: well, no wonder the team sticks. Is it, I mean, is it? Maybe it's premature, Zach, but, like, it's been two games, and the Browns have run out Deshaun Watson, and they've had three offensive touchdowns. And I know some fans are watching Baker Mayfield in Los Angeles. He's been there for two seconds. He's got two wins, and he's got a really good coach in Sean McVay, and things look different. Like, it, is, is that – Something that we should look at uh, as an indictment on Kevin Stefanski?
4: I think you could wonder that, Dustin. But, I mean, let's just be honest. Baker beat a team worse than the 2017 Browns the other day. And he beat him <laughs> into the ground. He did. Right? And he has, he has kind of res- resurrected his career. I mean, I turned that game off. It was over. The Broncos are just so pathetic. They fired their coach the next day. I mean, how many coaches is Baker going to get fired this year? Right? <laughs> so, um Yeah. I don't think that's a fair equivalence to the Browns situation. Um, like, I said, it, it, And I'm willing to, to couch any discussion with the Browns by saying like, this is unprecedented. This is, you have to evaluate this under the prism of they, they gave the farm to get Watson. They gave the farm to Watson to get him to come here after he told them. No. Right. Like this is all about him. So yeah, I, I don't think that has anything to do much. I mean, Put it this way: If you're down on Kevin Stefanski, and and I kind of am right now, that is like that doesn't make my top ten list of concerns. That it didn't work with Baker Mayfield because Baker Mayfield's just not a, a starting level NFL quarterback.
1: Zach, do we know if uh, Jake Paul boxing a sex toy uh, on on video? Do we know if that was part of the Brown social media alliance with him, or was that outside the purview of that idea?
4: I mean, there's just no bottom, Nick. There just isn't. So. It's pretty amazing that it goes on, but it did. I mean, a fake press conference for that guy, and then that happens.
1: As if, what do you as say if it j- wasn't going to fall back on them at any point, or he wasn't going to do something stupid.
2: Right? It, it's it's amazing. What do, what do you and Dry always say? Uh, majoring in the minor.
4: Majoring in the
1: minor.
2: Oh, yeah. Some things never change, man. For sure. What are we like in this Utah State game.
4: I don't know. I I like to watch the Mac teams, Dustin. I don't know. Um, I'm a big Blake Anderson guy,
1: though. Yeah,
4: I heard he's yeah. Phony. If you know about his journey, you probably do root for him automatically, right?
1: Yeah. Did yeah. you? For D- sure. Did you see the Holinsky piece by uh, Greg Bishop
4: yet, Zach? I didn't. I, I I scrolled by it today, Nick. I haven't. Had it.
1: Uh, worth the read, but you, you get a little Blake okay. Anderson in that. So uh, okay. worth the read, though, if you if you have a second there. Just be prepared to be emotionally devastated. Um, I'm used to it. Considering the, the Browns' situation here, do you think the Browns – because one of the big things that's been talked about the Browns is the way this thing is set up, how everybody reports, and how that kind of rolls up. Do you think the Browns would, instead of firing people, do you think the Browns would consider just changing their power structure? Is one of the 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 simple changes this off season?
4: I don't think so. I mean, I think that they're, I think they're a little scarred by pulling the plug on others and the track record that's come from that. But no, they they've signed up for this. Nobody else has a chief strategy officer that sits atop the organization. They do, right? They have their GM and coach, and they finally got them to a third year for the first time in 15 years. And to me, continuity and stability are supposed to help, but it hasn't. So, again, you evaluate the circumstances for which they signed up. And you look and you say, well, I, I mean, it's not just the game management. There should be major questions about the talent acquisition because they keep finishing in third place. What, what? They keep getting to this point of the year, and there are big holes on the roster.
2: Does anybody know what Deep Podesta already? does, Zach?
4: No, nope, no, nope,
2: I okay. don't think so. That's helpful.
1: Do you think I it would? Do you mean, think no, it I'm would not. Help I'm, I'm not
2: giving you hard time. I'm just saying it's just crazy. This guy's been here through all these regimes, and no one even knows what he does.
4: Yeah, I mean to say no to say no without explaining what I do is not really a fair answer. But let me correct that. But um, a, a full idea.
2: You were being a little sarcastic, weren't you?
4: Yes.
1: Yes.
2: Understood.
4: Do you think
1: more transparency from the Browns could help? Whether it's with their structure and how that works or maybe even stuff like Kevin Stefanski actually telling us what Miles Garrett got suspended, or sorry, benched for?
4: I I think it could help. I I don't think it would change any of the results of what goes on on Sunday from one to four. But I think it could help the perception that people have of Kevin Stefanski. And maybe they don't care and maybe he truly doesn't care. But I don't think that that's really him that shines through. I, I think he's Often tries really too hard to just be so buttoned down and boring. And that same, and that leaves you to say, to wonder what it's like in positions where he needs to command the room. It needs to be in charge because we don't know these things, right? And so you judge him off the 15 minutes you see him and there the presentation is very bland and doesn't change. And then you watch the team and they don't adapt very well and you draw your own conclusions.
1: So we got about sixty seconds. I know you said you're you're down on Kevin Stefanski. A lot of people have issue with the play calling. Um, some people have issue with the the locker room dynamics, and and some have an issue with his press conference. What if you could only choose one? What's the biggest reason you have doubt about Kevin Stefanski today?
4: The game management stuff. You know, just the, the, the seems like the other team makes the key adjustment right? seems kind of like in the second half something gets flowing and there's always one blow-up moment for the Browns and um, yeah, just just choosing one I would stop at that because I think that's not only been the most recent one that jumps out at me, Nick, but I think that goes back to over the last couple of years, if you just feel one or two of those with a little bit better in that department, then maybe a lot of the rest looks differently and feels differently at this point.
1: Zach, excellent stuff, buddy. We really do appreciate uh, your time and uh, continue to have happy holidays and a happy new year as well. Thanks, guys. I know we have devalued press conferences in this day and age where a lot of press conferences, especially Kevin Stefanski's, feel like a whole lot of nothing. I would like to hear some real stuff from Miles later this week. If he's really the leader – that he has said he is that that that, take, that takes, see, take some
2: ownership. Yeah, tell us what happened. You know all those things.
1: And I don't think we're going to get it because I think one thing you can accuse Miles of being from time to time is a little fake. Yeah. Um. And I don't think that's like I I think that's okay. It doesn't mean he's a bad guy. Right. It just I I don't think he's always been real. I think he has said what benefits him. And I do think sometimes he said what he thinks benefits the team. Like he's been a team player with some of the times he's, like the Joe Woods thing. I think that was, I think that was a team player thing. I, I think that was a, you know, the organization has asked me to say this, so I'm going to say it because it's good by Joe, and Joe's been here for two and a half years. But I want to hear something real from Miles. And I, listen, I, Isaac said it before we got to Zach in that last segment. Would it surprise you if, this this season and everything that's happened to it led to Miles this offseason discreetly going to the Browns organization and saying, hey, um, I think I need a change of scenery.
2: Listen, I thought that Zach put it well. I mean, if Miles wants a change of scenery, he's going to be made it... He'll make it clear himself. Mm-hmm. He's always honest. I mean, that's why I expect when he talks on Friday, we'll get some clarity.
1: Yeah, and, and you know what? I... I really struggle with the idea. That usually if a player wants out, let him out. Like, what are we doing? The and I think the NFL's gotten a lot better about that, of not making it as ugly as humanly possible. Like the Russell Wilson thing. They found a way to put a little miracle salve on it and then trade him at the time that made sense for everybody. Right? Um, I also think I think Green Bay did one of the most impossible things I ever thought we I never thought we would have seen Aaron Rodgers. Continue on in Green Bay. And they made it work. They found a way. A financial bridge to a future together with Aaron Rodgers. So, in this case, I think a lot of Miles is, and I don't want to call them issues. A lot of the reasons for the way Miles has acted is I think he just might be immature. And that's okay. And so, if that means I, is a Browns fan... Yeah, but he's not 22 anymore. Yeah, but... Not everybody advances at the same rate. I hear you. Like if 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 this was about how Miles treated women, I would have a bigger problem with it. If this is about how Miles getting in drunken bar fights every other weekend. Right? Or if we if we got reports as we sometimes do about Miles being out on East 9th every single Friday or Saturday before the game. All right, I'd probably have more to say. Miles saying Things that are either untrue or self interested in the media—that's just immaturity, Miles. Whatever's going on behind the scenes, Miles taking advantage of maybe a double standard set. Like, all right, this these these putting gravestones of
2: quarterbacks up in your yard and not wanting to talk about it.
1: Yeah, like I guarantee you, in ten years, Miles is going to look at that and kind of like not in regret, but in kind of like roll his own eyes at that and the sideshow to it. Right, right. So, like, I think the Browns need to be patient. And I, listen, I would say the same thing to Miles. I don't think the Browns and Miles should look at either one and say, "I'm done with you." But it does feel like this is a little bit more than a Diet Coke fix. To quote the late great Ralphie May, it does feel like there needs to be some work here done on both sides. And I, I would not mind if they went to Miles and say, "Listen." We want you back. You're a part of our team. You're our guy. But we're gonna take that that C off your chest next year until you earn it again. Cause I think I think the last two years have proven with all the crap with Baker and the the left on red crap, all the just all the passive aggressive bull crap.
2: I just think the C on the chest in the NFL is just kind of silly. I mean, oh,
1: see, I think it I think Miles has proven it matters. Then, what do you mean? Well, what side of the ball? is having effort issues, focus issues, professionalism issues. The side of the ball that he represents. No, I'm
2: saying actually giving someone the, the C on their chest, the captain thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, what does that really mean?
1: So, like, it's more that players know who the like, real are. Like, I feel like it matters
2: are. more in college. Guys are, are more... Apt to be leaders to be more vocal. In the NFL, it's like, what do you really have to do to earn that? It's it did it, 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 the uh, hundred
1: million dollars.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's always the highest paid guy in the quarterback that gets the C on the chest. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you really earn it.
1: 216 578 0092. We do have Ross Tucker coming up in ten minutes here, but let's go with Jeff. Jeff, hey welcome to the show, buddy. Hey
5: Jeff. What's up, Dustin? You made it home, man. Yeah,
2: finally, man. What they, was that about? Uh we it was about We'll talk about that some more, but yeah, it was uh, it was planes, trains, and automobiles. There, it was dicey.
5: That's pretty cool, man. It reminds me of that Christmas movie, "I'll Be Home for Christmas" or something. Yeah,
2: we we got yeah. home. It, it nice. was dicey
5: though. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, guys, I just want to bring up a, a point that I, I was watching the game on um, on Saturday, and something came up on the screen that just really just messed with my mind. And it, I, I want you guys to go and look at it. The, in the game and the second quarter at the 12:40 mark, Adidi Kinkabwala came on and was doing some reporting of some stuff. She asked the coach and the guys, you know, you know, during the during the the week to set up for the initiative for the game, and she said something like Stefanski. Deshaun thought it was very weird that Stefanski was always in the quarterback room all the time and he was saying how he didn't have anything to do and how bored he was so he kind of just tried to hang out there as much as he can like you guys should go back and listen to that because when i heard it i was just like that is awful to hear especially a struggling team like ours like can't you spend more time with the defensive players or in the defensive room like you're the head coach what are you doing wandering around with nothing to do I mean, what do you guys think about that? You guys can go back and watch it. At the 1240 mark in the second quarter, she came on to report on this, and it was very alarming. Yeah, I
1: I don't know. It's it's so tough with me with that. Like like people are like, well, I'm okay with Stefanski coming back, but I don't want him calling plays. He's still going to have, like the the run-pass balance, he's still going to have a huge input on that. Like he might not call individual plays. By the way, he's still going to be in the headset and say, yeah. "Actually, I want this instead." Like, I think it's absolutely should be on the table. I I think there's a I think there's it's fair to say during the game there's a chance that play calling might be getting in the way of Kevin Stefanski's duty as a head coach. That that's probably fair to say. But I think this idea that that's the fix all, I think I think across the board in that locker room i think there's a couple fix-alls that either need to happen or will happen i think on that staff there's a couple things that either need to happen or or should happen i think in the organization there are a couple things that either need to happen or should happen uh m- much like the uh miles Garrett thing a little bit more than a diet coke fix real quick here let's go to mike mike we got about 60 seconds what do you got uh, for us buddy
4: okay i agree with you nick you know you know, everybody, you know, loves Miles Garrett in the city, you know, but he just, he needs to grow up a little bit.
1: Yeah, and and I hope he knows that when, like, because it's tough, and I think were the call. I do sometimes get loathsome at some of the criticisms for Miles. But then again, he does stuff like whatever. You,
2: you, I'll say this, Nick. I mean, you have been one of the biggest Miles Garrett defenders all year. Um, and even before this year, I would say, and to see this fired up and this upset is, is sort of, it's, it's telling because you, you have, get again, you've been a miles Garrett stand. I just
1: want it for him. Like I just, I just, I, I think on the field, he's as great as he'll be. And I think, I think sometimes we over pick at him with some of the plays off stuff. I, I do think we are overly harsh on him off the field. I think we've I think we collectively, the royal we have swept a lot under the rug with Miles. Mm-hmm. And I think it's time for Miles to to, to to kind of live up to his side of the bargain on that side of things. We get it.
0: Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend four point four hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof?